1: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode eighty-one, and it is a happy Fourth of July to everybody out there. We are recording this Monday night. The sun is setting outside. It's a beautiful day today. Scott, happy Fourth!
2: Happy Fourth, man! Happy Fourth! It was a it was a fun weekend. Got to spend some time with family and friends. Did a little barbecuing. Had some crabs today. The actual Fourth was a was a little bit low key. Did some work on the house with my wife, and uh, yeah, but it was a lot of fun.
1: It is also Big Steins birthday today. The boss would have been, I believe, we looked it up. He would have been eighty six this year, but he passed away back in two thousand and ten uh, in July, actually. So he was born on the fourth of July, which I always thought was
2: funny because he just seemed like one of the most American people of all time. And you know, it feels like a lot. It feels like a lot longer ago too that he passed away. That, that it's only six years ago. It feels longer than that. But um, yeah, it's a, it's, it's pretty awesome that his birthday is the fourth of July. I think it's very apropos. Well, he died the same year, pretty much the same week as Bob Shepard, didn't he? I don't remember. I think I, I remember, remember the, that being – it,
1: it, it was like him and Shepard passed away very close to one another and then the Yankees – I believe they were in Anaheim. I don't know why I remember this. They were in Anaheim and then when they flew back, they they went to the funerals and stuff like that. Back back in 2010, they were, they were steamrolling the competition back then. Not so much now though. Uh, yeah, I had a good fourth as well. I was actually back home in Rhode Island – with the family, and I was going through my house, and I found my grandfather's old bucket Yankees hat. So I was nice. rocking that all weekend, trying to keep the sun out of my eyes. Uh, but I think that's going to be my official hat of the summer going forward. The bucket hat, yeah. It's, I think I think it's a it's a good look, and and especially since it's got the Yankee emblem on it. I think I think I can rock it.
2: How old is it? You said it's your grandfather. So it's, 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 it's a relatively old hat as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's still in good condition, uh, pretty good condition. I don't think he wore it too much, but, but yeah, it's, it's up there in age.
2: Nice. Those are fun to have, the the, the, the old school hats, especially if they uh, if it was someone else's before you. I like that. Maybe it'll bring them some luck this year. <clears throat> yeah. I, I, we don't want them next year. We'll get luck for the future. 2017 <laughs> and beyond. That's good. Yeah, be yeah. Let's get some luck later. <clears throat> so shout out to burnt-out attorney
1: Empire Esquire. He continues to bring it with the stats for number 81. Uh, first off is Reggie Jackson's career batting average with the Yankees was two eighty-one the Hall of Famer, the the man who stirs the drinks. What was it? The straw who stirs the drinks? Was that it? I think that was it. Yeah. he. Um, and then also in that 81 season uh, was odd. That was the last pennant the Yankees won uh, for a while, but it was that strike-shortened season. They ended up losing the World Series that year. Also number 81 is the career home runs for Danny Tartable. Who the main reason I know Danny Tartable is from that Seinfeld episode
2: when he's cutting his Snickers bar? I used to have a, a Pride Power pinstripes uh, poster, and it was uh, it was Mattingly, Tartable, and Oh, man, I can't remember who the last one was. It was someone Ken Phelps. <laughs> no, I don't think Ken Phelps or Balboni ever made a poster. At least not in my not in my that was on my wall. I can't remember who the third person was, but um. Might have been Mike Paganiero. I, I don't remember, but uh, yeah, he was—he uh, was a guy that was—he was a—he was a—you uh, know—he had some really good career, uh, good years with with the Yankees. I think a lot of people he, he made his mark with the uh, Kansas City Royals and then came over to to, to New York, but a little too early, uh, a little too early at that point for them to do anything.
1: And then finally, number eighty-one. I don't think any of our listeners are going to recognize this name. Is how many times Kid Elberfeld was hit by pitches? The Yankees. He played from 1903 to 1909 with the Yankees. He played in the first year of the franchise when they were the New York Highlanders. But, you know, one thing I always say whenever I'm perusing baseball reference and I come across a name like Kid Elberfeld is that this is just a great baseball name and there's not great baseball names anymore.
2: That is a good one. And it's it's very telling to the era that it was that he played in too. Because when we said that, we didn't know you know, when he was actually uh, playing. But you just knew it was before Yeah, I was the like, 20s. it's got to be early 1900s. It's just, Old it's just kid that it Elfraud, feels like Hit
1: by pitch again. He'll be walking down to first base. I number 81. Now. Yeah.
2: <laughs> no, that's good. I, I, that's impressive to find that, by the way. That's an impressive stat. I, I want to know how he does it, but I also don't
1: want to know because I just – I want it to be a mystery. He just
2: – I know. I like it. I like the fact that it's a mystery and that they just kind of come out of the, the out of thin air.
1: So uh, Empire Squire, if you're listening, which I think you are, what do you got for 82? And if anybody else can top Burnt Out Attorney for the stats, try and come up with something that's good for episode 82, which will be the next one you guys are listening to. All right. So finally, uh, last bit of notes is that we – after a year of doing this podcast, finally have a Twitter account, and it is at Yankees Podcast, which I think you and I were both shocked that it had not been claimed.
2: Yeah, there's, a, there's another guy out there with the initials BP, and he apparently has a show. So <laughs> the, the Bronx Spin show is too long. The BP show is taken. BP show is taken. And I'm like, oh, shits and giggles. Let's go Yankees Podcast. It's available. <laughs> I'm like, how, in the, how is this available? How have the Yankees not claimed that? So that's what it is. We're the uh, the the, you know it's the Bronx Pinstripe Show, and we're at Yankees Podcast. I think it's it's perfect. It's the name of the show, and it tells you exactly what we are. So there it is. Yeah, I don't know why we haven't had a Twitter account for a while. I think it was we just assumed we would use the Bronx Pinstripes one, but there's just so much stuff going on on that account now. uh, It's easy to get lost in the mix.
1: Yeah, definitely follow follow the Twitter account. Scott and I are both going to be running it. We can both get access to it. So at any given point, one of us will be tweeting from it. And I think mainly it's going to be show, show updates, links, uh, little clips from the show hopefully, mailbag questions. We'll retweet and you know quote tweet any good suggestions for the show or any topics you want us to discuss. Uh, definitely interact with us. That will be the place as, as well as our own Twitter accounts. But hopefully that can get grown pretty
2: quickly. Yeah. And you could probably tell who's tweeting as well. If it's <laughs> going to be one of the two of us. It's going to be nobody else but one of the two of us. If so. it's if it's Ref Snyder all in capital letters with a bunch of exclamation <laughs> points,
1: it's probably Scott. And if it's like, this team needs to freaking sell already, it's most likely me. All right. So speaking, speaking of the Yankees, I, I took a look back at June 9th, which was when the Yankees reached the 30 and 30 mark. And I think that was a little bit of a milestone for them because they were on a little bit of a hot streak. They had won five, I believe, in a row to reach the 30-30 mark. And they actually got to 31-30. and That was about a month ago. And now here we sit on the 4th of July and they're 40-42. and So they, they kept seesawing back and forth. They'd get to 35-35. Then they'd win a game. Then they'd lose two. Then they'd win another one. And it keeps going back and forth. But my question is, how many times are we going to see this team reach the five hundred mark and then go back below the five hundred mark and then reach the five hundred mark again before we realize that's what they are a five hundred team most likely destined for about eighty one and eighty
2: one yeah it's frustrating because I know we've talked about however many of these stretches that are upcoming stretches like this is it this is it and i still i'm still looking at that stretch between uh, you know from after the all star game to before the uh the, the trade deadline is I think we're gonna get waxed personally and I think that's gonna be the one that sets the uh Starting sets with the Cleveland. market. Starting with Boston I thought, but it was Oh, I thought you meant before the
1: All Star game. No, right? after the
2: All Star break. Okay. After, yeah, from the All Star break to the trade deadline. There's a stretch. I think it's Boston uh It is Baltimore, Houston, so yeah, there's a there's a stretch in there that's that's definitely going to be uh, going to be tight. But you know, this is this is you're exactly right because this is who we are. This is a this is a 500 team. The pitching is is uh, is just you know you can't count on anybody not named. Tanaka and you could barely count on him but these days I mean he's letting out more home runs than he has in his uh you know in any one of his years uh CC seems to be coming slowly back down to earth a lot the ball's leaving the park a lot more now with him over his past couple starts so I don't know who we're supposed to depend on at this point Pineda is probably our hottest pitcher at this point which is crazy to me but um well you know what
1: scares me about Tanaka you mentioned him that he was probably their best pitcher and I I still agree with that but he just seems to be nibbling a lot recently, and he, he's going to a lot of 2-2 two and two and 3-2 and two counts. It almost felt in that Texas game, he was afraid of contact. And I know Texas is a damn good team. They're probably the best team in the AL, despite the fact that Cleveland is on a, a, you know an insane hot streak.
2: Texas can hit, but he was nibbling. I mean, your ace should not be afraid of contact. No, this is a guy that should be absolutely dependent and believing in his stuff um and the fact that, you know, even if they are making contact, you hope to think and you like to think especially if you're that ace going out there that it's not going to be, you know, a hard hit ball usually. So, yeah, there's I, for for me for 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 Tanaka, I mean, he he cannot be afraid of contact because that's that's one of the reasons that, you know, he's when he's efficient and working well, he is getting contact. It's just usually weak contact, you know, ground balls. Um but the the balls getting up in the air and it's and it's going out and they're not they're not solo shots anymore. They're, there's guys on base because, like you said, he's nibbling around and you know I think he's walking more guys. There's more guys getting on base, and then when that ball leaves the park, it's not a solo shot. It's a two, three run home run, and and you know it's it's uh it's not the same guy where five innings and five six innings and you're looking at zero one runs. He's he's letting out multiple runs a game, and it's you know the, the Yankees have to get their bats going. So, and he was I mean he
1: was starting in a huge game for the Yankees. It was almost a must win game. They ended up coming back and winning it. It was the crazy walk-off game right. where Didi and McCann in the ninth inning you know, won the game for him. But Tanaka pitched terribly in a must-win game for the Yankees, and that's extremely concerning because if there's one guy we should be able to rely on, it's Masair Tanaka. And I just don't feel like the Yankees can rely on him right now.
2: It doesn't seem like there's anybody that can be relied on at this point. It's not 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 just the pitching, the 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 bats. There's there's zero people in this lineup that maybe Dede's the only guy, just because Except he's been today, so close. Three hours today, today. really bad day, really bad day. But um, but yeah, you know, there's there's not been one guy that's just been you know that's just been outstanding all year. It's 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 pretty crazy well, to look up and down.
1: That's the mark of a 500 team. It's They have a couple guys get hot when the rest of the team is cold and vice versa. And one pitcher will be going great and then the bullpen will cough it up. Or the bullpen will be lights out but the starter can only go five innings. It's just nothing is going right for this team. And, and
2: good and good teams usually have, you know, if it's a, a starting pitcher or at least one hot bat, but like a leader in, in a, a significant leader in offense, you know, a guy that's, you know, batting 330 or a pitcher that's, you know, just just pitching well the entire season. And that's just not happening. It's just we have no offensive leader at this point. The Yankees, it's, it's one guy in one day, another guy another day, maybe nobody in one day.
1: I mean, you think about their position players, and they don't have one guy that's in the top of their position in the league.
2: No, Beltran maybe with the, with the bat just because he's – I mean, he's been scorching but, hot, But, but
1: uh, yeah, I understand his stats are very good this year, but comes up with the tweak hamstring this week, and it's he can't be relied upon. No, I'm yeah. I'm talking about it, a guy where – You know, he's, I'm not saying, uh, you know, to the caliber of a Mike Trout or or Bryce Harper. I mean, those guys are few and far between. But even somebody who you can just rely upon to stay in the lineup, be healthy, and produce in, you know, the top five at their position in the league and give you some consistency. They don't have that on this team.
2: Nope. I think we're going to have to buy somebody. Or maybe we could bring the kids yeah, out. Buy maybe somebody and then, that and then that'll player. last.
1: They'll last. The person we buy will will be good for three years and then we'll have to deal with five years crappiness of, of their contract because that's what happens when you just build through free agency. I don't know how many times we have to go over this, but that's what happens. They did it in 2009 and it worked out great. They won the World Series and they made the playoffs for a couple years. But now look where we are. It's three years of kind of just barely surviving
2: yeah, I mean, we all know what's going to happen and that's why I'm kind of hoping that this stretch after the All-Star break <laughs> kind of goes uh, in a way that that the true colors shine. I mean, I don't think I could ever root for the team to lose, but at the same time, I just want them to show their show their true colors early enough where this this brass sees or deems it acceptable to to go out and improve the team for for the next, you know, couple years. So, We'll see, man. We'll see what happens with that. But well, I think that's of that, that's the Yankees, that's the, uh, the murderer's row for us.
1: Speaking of that, Yankees president Randy Levine said that the Yankees will not be sellers this year. And and here's a fun quote from him: uh, When the media asked him if the Yankees would be sellers at the deadline, you guys av- obviously have nothing more important to write about than to write nonsense about that. And it's just insulting to hear to hear him. Act like it, what the fans are seeing, which is a mediocre 500 team, does not exist. Why does he insist on on just being so dishonest? Condescending. And, and <laughs> condescending and just so obtuse about the whole thing. It's infuriating. Why can't he just say, you know, I'm going to let the baseball operations handle that. The Yankees are not – we are not as good as we would like to be this year. Bottom line, ended at that, period. I'd, I'd be fine with that with – that, Comment from Tross or excuse me, from Levine, but but he has to go and stick his foot in his mouth and and declare the Yankees will not be sellers when that's insane. If they are actually already making that decision,
2: and and the fact the fact that they're saying that, and uh, first of all, you called the guy obtuse, which I like. I haven't heard that, I haven't heard that since uh, Shawshank Redemption. You get six months in the hole for that, but <laughs> the uh. The the fact that he's saying that when we're looking at the roster and seeing very clear assets that are extremely sellable, and we're seeing buyers who are looking for that exact product or that exact player, it's it's they don't match up. I mean, there's, something's got to give there, right? I mean, you, I'm looking at I'm looking at this roster, and I see multiple people who who can actually you know bring back a return. And if we're talking business here, then then you know they should be well aware of these assets and well aware of the buyers that are out there that have, uh, you know, good young talent to send us. So it's just, it's just, it's just a very, to me, it's just an extremely condescending comment and, and one that just really doesn't have any, uh, it's not justified. It's, it's a, it's, it's a ludicrous comment in my opinion. The fact that they're declaring that they're not sellers is, it's just utterly ridiculous. Would you consider
1: the top three assets the Yankees have to be Miller, Chapman and Beltran?
2: Uh, yes. Those are those would be the best. The the and the, the two that the two being Beltron and Chapman for sure. But, okay,
1: but still, let's lump those three guys together. Yeah. What do you think the chances are that even one of those guys is on the next pennant winning team? Not even championship winning team. Pennant winning Yankees team. Yankees team. Yeah. Zero
2: chance. Exactly. Maybe Miller has Miller has a you 1% know, an, an chance. An outside chance.
1: Outside chance if he re-ups with the Yankees for another like three or four years and he's kind of, by that point, will probably not be very good because he'll be 36 years old. But exactly. The point being that the next time the Yankees make a deep run in the playoffs, all the guys we're talking about trading are going to be long gone. Beltran's going to be retired. Chapman will be on some insane contract probably being not very good for for a team in the national league and andrew miller might be out of baseball as well because he's going to be in his mid to late 30s so
2: why are we holding on to these guys well apparently they think you're they're a lot closer than what you're saying right now and and i you know maybe that's Maybe that's the the fact that they believe some of these young kids are going to come up and and they're going to excel immediately, and these guys are ones that could put them over the top. Or they know that in the next two years, year you know two to three years, um, we have to wait till 2019, I guess, for the big class, right? That's 19 is the big class coming out, yeah, Machado and Harper. That's the Harper year. So uh, you know, if, if they think they're going to be doing well before that, then then they must be relying and have a lot of confidence in the kids. And and that's why they want to keep them. I don't know. I'm just I'm trying to look at the other side no, of it. But no,
1: and I understand that. But if there's I, one one of those thing... three
2: guys, it's Miller. Miller's the guy that, that I would say would be on that team. But, I mean, why not just get rid of Chapman now anyway? Because if you want him, you can sign him. Who cares? Exactly.
1: And if there's one thing I believe in Brian Cashman to be able to do, it's find back-end bullpen talent. I mean, think about it. We lost Mariano Rivera. He retired. He was the greatest closer of all time and the greatest closer who will ever walk this earth. But they, the year he got injured, they replaced him with Rafael Soriano, who did a great job. And then yeah. the year after he retired, they replaced him with David Robertson for two seasons, who did a great job. Then they got Andrew Miller and they have uh, Dylan Batances and they brought in Aroldis Chapman. You know... As good as Mariano was, the back end of the bullpen has not suffered since he retired. I have confidence that if in 2019 the Yankees are ready to win a World Series, Brian Cashman can either develop a closer or go out and sign one.
2: Yeah, and you see a lot of guys that, that make transitions into a closer role. I mean, you look all around Major League Baseball. The closer role is, for a lot of teams is is a revolving door. I mean, some guys get hurt, they have another guy step in, but there's a lot of kids who throw really hard and have a lot of confidence that can come in and step in, in a lot of these roles. And you're seeing across the, across major league baseball, I think you're seeing a lot of, a lot of, you know, more of the upper echelon. If you see some of these guys five, six years ago, they would be one of the more dominant closers. Uh, but there's a lot of them now, and there's a lot of guys that can throw hard. And I think that that closer role is becoming one of the easier slots to, to, um, to actually fill.
1: Yeah, and it's it's a fluid position because a guy will be good for a year, two, maybe three years, and then he'll go away. So it's hard to fill for twenty years, which is what the Yankees have done. So I mean, that's an amazing job by Brian Cashman. But but you're absolutely right, where they can find guys to pitch late in game. I understand the you know Cashman was going for the Kansas City Royals approach, where have a lockdown bullpen for nine, maybe twelve outs, and you know I'll take my chances. The only problem is. The Royals had an unbelievable offense last year. The
2: Yankees ha- do not have an unbelievable offense this year. So no. Yeah. And that's the thing.
1: Just bullpen.
2: You're right. And the, the construction of this team was highly dependent on Mark DeShera having a good year, was highly dependent on Beltron bouncing back and A-Rod giving them similar, probably a little bit less in their minds, but similar production to what they got last year. And, the middle of the order, you know, Carlos Belch on his side has just fallen uh, you know off of a cliff. So you can't win like that.
1: And also I think that we were hoping Starlin Castro would come in and produce. I mean, he's produced a lot more than Steven Drew did last year. That, you know, uh uh you know, anybody you called off the street could have produced more than Steven Drew. You could just put a, a brick wall behind there and he'll find more singles than Drew did last year. But after the hot start in April for Castro, he's really been bad at the plate and he's swinging at a lot of sliders in the dirt putting himself in bad counts i still like the guy i still think he's going to be a good player for this team but his lack of plate discipline is becoming a real problem i think
2: yeah i agree with that i think coming into did it to into today he hadn't one. he hadn't had a i don't think he got a hit in san diego with the start of the road trip and he was i mean his batting average was down into the 240 something around that line i know he had a good game today um Last I looked, at three hits. but So hopefully he can come back. But I agree with you. I, I think he's going to be a, a good player for years to come. But he definitely has to really improve on that play discipline. It's, it's, it's becoming an issue, especially the breaking ball away. The breaking ball away has been an issue. And, and when, you, when, you, when you're Castro, um, if you get down on the count, it seems like he's just swinging at everything. And he's, he's an easy strikeout at that point. So guys are taking advantage of that.
1: Especially in big situations with guys on base, they'll just throw him that slider in the dirt knowing he's going to be aggressive. And he swings I think, at it. Every yeah, time. why
2: wouldn't you? Of course. No doubt.
1: So we were talking about Levine's comments and the Yankees' upper level management sometimes really gets under my skin. And it first happened with Lon Trost. And we actually got a voicemail from Joes McFly who is a listener of this podcast and we appreciate he always sends in mailbags. And sent in a voicemail, a long five-minute rant about how he's pissed off about Levine and and his comments about the sell uh will the Yankees be sellers and also about Lon Tross comments. Um and I think we totally agree with him where it is insulting to fans when you hear the president and the whatever, uh, Lantros what's his position with the Yankees? I don't even remember. Um, I don't know the
2: exact, I don't yeah. know the exact. He's not a baseball guy though. That's one of the big things. He's right, not a, he a lawyer. Guy. He's a lawyer. He chimes in on baseball, on, on baseball uh, topics quite a bit. And it's, but it's annoying. It's
1: insulting to fans to, when that happens because we are watching the game every day. We know this, we see this team for what it is. You don't need to bullshit us.
2: Right. Yeah.
1: And in the, the comments of in spring training about the StubHub thing, or excuse me, about the secondary market tickets thing, has now seemed to be uh, you know, full circle, baby. Yeah, it's come full circle. It's it's a moot point because the Yankees are teaming up with StubHub to be their official. Uh, StubHub will be the Yankees' official ticket
2: resell partner. So I think you called this right. Well, I you know. The, The big thing was for StubHub is that they had the uh, or the Yankees had the API and they wouldn't give it to StubHub for the digital tickets. That was the big issue. So, yeah, the intellectual property was a point where you knew at some point they were going to have to come together because there was really no other way. And the Yankees weren't just going to you can't just educate all you can't educate all Yankee fans to start going to a new place if they don't want to go there. They're going to go to a place where they want to go. And StubHub is is, you know, number one in the market. They've they've done a, a hell of a job with their marketing campaigns. People know what they are they feel comfortable buying tickets from stubhub and you you need to go to the place where where the the consumer is and you know i think the they were having issues with the um with the with the seller program the the yankees uh, what was it called the the yankees whatever. ticket exchange thank you the ticket exchange and they were having issues with that and then you know obviously they they were having issues the fact that you couldn't print a ticket out um or i'm sorry you couldn't use the digital ticket and and be you know getting getting a ticket day of the game was becoming a serious issue, and and that's a problem if you can't you know say hey I'm getting out of work early and uh, I'm gonna go catch a Yankee game and yeah. you can't do it it's 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 a big issue if and you can't then, do it digitally
1: and the stats the attendance showed it Jared Diamond had a good article uh, he writes for the Wall Street Journal and I like his stuff because he kind of brings a little business aspect to the baseball talk which is kind of interesting and he mentioned the the average game home game for the yankees has been about two uh two thousand to twenty two hundred less fans in attendance than yeah. last year
2: and you think about those that twenty two hundred uh you know that number that's that's probably pretty close to the amount of people that would say hey want to go catch a game with our buddy of theirs
1: yeah it's 5 15 they're at the office and, yeah. oh look uh upper deck just popped up for 12 bucks let me get on this and right. they're going to go to the stadium and spend forty dollars on beer and food So it's not like they're they're just showing up only with that $12 ticket that they got for, you know, 30% of face value. They're still in the stadium, one, which gives the Yankees money because of all the concessions. But it's also good to have a packed stadium.
2: It's good to have people there cheering. Well, they're they're actually losing money on that ticket at that point because if somebody's not sitting in that seat because of the concessions and all the things that happen inside the stadium, they actually start losing money at that point. So there's right because they're still
1: paying all the beer vendors
2: and everything. Everybody's still getting paid. Yeah, they they need people to buy things when they're in the stadium. You know that's why they a lot of these. Uh, these giveaways—they get people there because they're—they're they're obviously they're giving these things away that are costing them I don't know however much however much per person. But what is doing is getting their people getting there early because they have a limited amount of them, so people have to get there like super early. The, the stadium was packed for the Mickey Mantle uh, bobblehead day, like super early. And while they're there, what are they doing? They're buying hot dogs, they're buying beer, they're buying sodas, they're buying souvenirs. So the fact that they get into the stadium is is a giant is a giant piece of, of the puzzle for for the Yankees and their revenue. And they had to make this deal. They absolutely had to do it. So
1: it also just looks shitty when the Yankees are playing a game on a, a Monday night against Texas, which is a great opponent, and there's like twenty eight thousand people in the stadium.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's some of it's some of it's a little deceiving too. I think because of the 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 stadium cl- the clubs. Oh, where people, I understand that. And people the, are hanging out in the in the club before they go to their seats, and you, you know, early in the game, it looks like there's nobody there, but they're actually, you know. The legends,
1: the legends suites, you know, the right. the the seats right on the field are always empty. But I understand. But it still looks, it still looks crazy. I agree. I agree. Um, so some other stuff that happened this week. This seems like forever ago, but Arod was quote unquote benched, taken out of the lineup versus right-handed pitchers. Probably still going to play a lot versus lefties because his slugging percentage versus lefties was still pretty decent. I'm totally fine with it. A-Rod was not producing and if he's not hitting, he has no value to the team because he can't play defense and he can't pinch run or anything like that. My problem was the fact that he kind of seemed like a scapegoat for Joe Girardi. Like, see, I'm doing something. I'm benching Arod. He's a high-profile guy. Where the hell was Joe Girardi in April and May when Chase Headley and Mark Teixeira were – not even getting on base, never mind hitting for extra bases. Chase Headley didn't have an extra base hit until the middle of May. And Teixeira went from the first week of April to the first week of June without hitting a home run. That's when the Yankees were screwing themselves this season. That's when they were digging themselves a deep hole.
2: Where was Joe Girardi benching Chase Headley and benching Mark Teixeira back then? Yeah, see, I'll agree with you to a certain point. I mean, we're talking about a position player and then a DH. If the DH is not hitting, he's got zero purpose on the field. Where... Whereas you know we we've obviously seen the 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 kind of revolving door for you know who's the backup third baseman who's the backup infielder who's the backup first baseman there, there's been a lot of injuries at that point but if Arod is is not hitting the ball as the DH well then you're taking it at bats away from not only Carlos Beltran who could be at the at the designated hitter spot uh, but you know I, we all know taking frustration with Aaron away Hicks. From
1: the vaunted Aaron Hicks we all know you we, we all that know that they want to see Ohio. Aaron
2: Hicks and the and the stud of an athlete that He is hit the ball, and uh, they had one. They had one game where he went, I think, three for three. Okay. But yeah, so he won't th- have I mean, another hit that's what all it August is, 10. though. I mean, they, they know that, that Aaron Hicks, or at least they think that Aaron Hicks could potentially turn into a guy. They know what Arod is now. He's an aging guy who can't hit right-handed hit pitching anymore, and it's either a single or it's a home run if he falls into one. That's no, what it again. Is. I have no problem benching Arod. It, it, I don't think I don't really don't think it was a scapegoat situation though. I I don't know. I, I I'm I'm okay with Girardi on that. The Headley thing. I mean, Headley should have been benched uh, well before he did. but
1: Well, here's a little fun stat for you. I know Chase, I looked up these stats about five days ago, so it might have changed slightly. But A-Rod, the month between when he got benched and back 30 days, his OPS was 677, which is horrendous, especially for a DH. But do you know what Chase Headley's entire season OPS is? It's 12 points lower than that. So we got a guy in the lineup every day playing third base who is playing worse than the guy who just got benched
2: offensively so i mean that now he's, he's definitely playing better now but okay this the, was five days ago so how much could it really changed? the point is well i think he, he talked about digging himself a hole because that dude dug himself a hole early in the season i mean he's if you look at the look at the splits uh over well, the yeah, last when you don't
1: get an extra base hit for like 115 at bats that really does dig a hole
2: Yeah, no, I get that, but I'm saying you're looking at the long term stat. I'm looking at what are you doing? What are you doing for me lately? And and the fact that everyone is all
1: getting all over Chase Headley because batting like two seventy five in
2: the month of June. Yeah, that's tremendous. (laughs) I would love to see a Rod do something like that. the The fact that that Chase Headley's hitting and got out of that is 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 to me, you know, bought him some time because. That was that was a hell of a hole to get out of. And and he's climbing out of it. And he's putting it together good at bats. He's hit some good big home runs. Um, but the fact that A-Rod – here's the deal. They they don't really – I don't think they want A-Rod to be playing when – unless he's hitting home runs. And he's just not doing it. Well, he's not hitting the ball. He, he just serves no purpose. So he, so
1: here's the he question. He can't even run. He can run faster than you. Yeah. So here's the question. A-Rod – they're not going to cut him this season. Any dreams of that, you know, throw those out the window. I, I just really would be beyond shocked if the Yankees cut A-Rod this season. But if he continues to suck all year, the Yankees finish 81-81, and 81, which is what I think they're going to finish. What do the Yankees do with A-Rod next year? Do they buy him out of his contract? The last I, year I, of his deal.
2: Yeah. I uh It'd be like $26 really,
1: million bucks or
2: something like that. I think it's a very, very, very significant option. I think I think that it could actually happen, and and because the uh, just with what he's doing now and what he's done all year, not not staying healthy, not hitting the ball, um, you know, he's really moving around terribly out there. I, I don't know if his hips are starting to to weaken again. You know, if that if, if I can only imagine them doing. It. I mean, that he's an old man out there, and and he was, uh, you know, he's got all these injuries. And lingering things, you know. You know, you hear stories about these steroid guys and and the things that drop off the uh, off the off a cliff. And I think that's what we're starting to see. I think when he hits the when he hits a home run, I mean, he's always been a guess hitter, but he's really a guess hitter now. I mean, he's he's looking like he's looking like you know specific zones, well, pretty much. If specific it's not, pitches,
1: yeah. If it's not a ninety-two mile an hour fastball in the, the zone, gut. in the zone that he guessed, he he can't hit it.
2: Right. So. Yeah, there's there, the adjustments are are very few and and far between, but so yeah, I think it's a real option. I think they could they would really look at it and and you know with 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 Tashera gone next year, Beltran contract up, you know if they were to re-sign him for the DH spot, who knows? But they can't do that if Arod's there. They definitely can't do that if Arod's there. Um, if they were considering it, then they would, you know, that move would be a the corresponding move would, yes, be you know buying a rod out. But I could, I, could, I definitely could see it happening. I mean, I think it's very clear what he is at this point, and I think the fans are getting sick and tired of seeing him out there.
1: Well, here's what I hope does not happen, and that's the Yankees bring him into spring training next year, and then there's a bunch of rumors about will the Yankees cut him or not, and then it's just a circus for the month of February and March because the everyone's just talking about if a rod will be cut. That's, that's what I absolutely do not want. But that is probably the most likely scenario.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's not going to happen in the winter. They're going to they're gonna bring him out most likely. Why? And
1: sack up and make a decision on this guy. It's one year left. He's not one of the most – I mean, as much as he did for the team last year, and I think he got back in the good graces of a lot of fans, including myself. I do not give a crap
2: about A-Rod in the, as far as like the history of the Yankees. Yeah, I just don't think I don't think they're gonna. It's the it's the New York Yankees. The New York Yankees are gonna wait to see what they have first. And if they think that he's not healthy now, or if they just think he's a, you know an aging guy, um, I still think they'll 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 see what they can do early on or see how his winter goes, things like that. Because um, I actually don't think they're gonna bring Beltron back. I think if they did, then they would be they would be you know walking out on air rider before the spring training. But uh, I I just don't I don't think they're bringing Beltron back anyway. So
1: well, then they gotta trade him. Uh, agreed right, and things like when he tweaks his hamstring and goes for an MRI and it scares the crap out of everybody that that decreases his trade value and listen he's he's uh one bad cut around second base from shredding his knee or pulling really pulling his hamstring, and then he has zero trade value, so don't wait too much longer before you pull a trigger on a guy like Beltron if you want to wait on Andrew Miller and Ronalds Chapman till the very end of the trade deadline fine drive up the price because those guys I think are going to be just as good now as they will be in you know 3 4 weeks from now but Carlos Beltrán is a guy that is uh you know a uh, a uh, weird swing away from Ob- oblique or something like that
2: I think at this point, though, they kind of have to prove that he can play again, you know, you know, beyond, uh, you know, just a day or two with that, with that hamstring. And, and let's get, let's, let's, let's talk about this hamstring for a second. It was a tweaked hamstring where that he felt it, you know, stretch out a little bit. It's not, it, there was no injury really. It was okay, just, but a you know, he got a little sore him
1: out of the lineup for four days.
2: I, I get it. It was, I think a, a lot more precautionary, but what they have to do now is, is, re, you know, he's got to, he's got to get back in there playing and and hopefully hit but you know he needs to prove that he's 100 healthy right now and then they can and then they can trade him. but i don't think they're going to do that until they until he proves he's 100 healthy
1: it'll have to be to an al team obviously
2: right he's a dh no doubt
1: i, I i'm telling you man uh, the, homecoming yeah. with the kansas city royals
2: or cleveland somewhere cleveland yeah, I Cleveland could see has as
1: well. santana though as a full-time dh
2: yeah i i, I could see it and he's i could having
1: see a de- santana's having a decent season I was thinking that too, and then I looked up. I uh, looked up, and Santana's getting every day at bats as DH. About going back to Houston,
2: yeah. Well, they got uh, what do they got? Gaddis is, is it Gaddis or is Napoli actually playing? Is Na- Nap- no, he's uh, uh, Napoli. Napoli's not on. Uh, Napoli. I'm thinking. Cleveland. I'm thinking of Gaddis.
1: Yeah, Gaddis is a meathead. Meathead yeah, yeah, DH. Yeah.
2: Yeah. They're both meatheads. Yeah, they're very. They're. I could see them going out and <laughs> Napoli and
1: Gaddis peas in a pod.
2: Yeah, yeah. definitely.
1: Uh, speaking of the trade deadline. I wrote my Friday column about this juicy rumor. It is Andrew Miller to the Cubs for Kyle Schwarber. Uh, Let's first set aside the fact that the Yankees have notified Andrew Miller he is not going to be traded, which I think is annoying. But if the Yankees were to trade Andrew Miller, do you think Kyle Schwarber
2: in return is a realistic trade? I think if you're looking at players and their values, then, then, you know... Yeah, sure. I don't think Schwarber has a position uh, for the Cubs right now, and I think they're gonna they're gonna start to see that down the road. They have a lot of players out there that can play ball right now and and play very well. So the there's no DH as we know in the National League, and the fact that the Schwarber is just a terrible outfielder. There's not a catcher anymore. They had him try to hide him in left field, and yeah. he's just he's just not a good outfielder. And he was
1: he was playing a worse defensive left field than Carlos Beltran is playing defensive right field this year. And you yeah, know how bad, bad Carlos Beltran is this year.
2: So this guy is a you know he's a he's a DH that's yes, 100% what he is hundred percent DH. I know a lot of people don't want to bring a twenty two twenty three year old guy over to be your designated hitter, especially when you have you know potentially aging veterans at the end of their careers or at the end of their contracts at some point. Um, but but he's the dude rakes his he swing is mash. absolutely beautiful. He can for Yankee Stadium, and I think he would be an instant fan favorite. He'd hit forty plus
1: home runs in Yankee Stadium for ten years.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He's a guy that I would love. So if you're talking about value though, I mean, I think Andrew Miller brings a lot of value, especially on a team like the Cubs, because that's one of their areas of concern and they're built to win now. So the fact that they would be able to bring a guy over to lock down the end of the game, uh, to me is a big deal for that team. It's a really big deal, especially when you have, you know, that the, 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 the team and the players that you have right now with the starting pitching, that's pitching. So it's, you know, producing so well, I mean, they, these guys haven't won a World Series. They need to win a World Series. They, <laughs> they need, need to go win. all in. They, they need ha- to win a World Series. They need and to win a World Series with this team. So Theo knows he's it's not even playing. He's he's out for the year. So I, I understand you're looking forward, but you cannot look forward if you're part of the Chicago Cubs organization. I'm yeah. sorry, you can't.
1: Yeah, if you say you know the Mets are kind of in a similar situation as the Cubs, where they have a, a lot of young talent. But the Mets won a World Series in the 80s. They made a World Series in 2000 and then last year. They can kind of look a little bit more long-term than the Cubs, I think. The Cubs need to freaking win. It's going on 110 years or whatever the hell it is at this point. They need to win a World Series. And – People who are saying that the Yankees would never, should never trade for a full-time DH because they like to rotate in guys and give them half days off, when has that worked out for them? The last time the Yankees won a World Series was 2009 when they had Hideki Matsui as a full-time DH. And I don't know if you've noticed, but David Ortiz has been a full-time DH for the Red Sox for 12 years, and <laughs> they have not suffered at all. So you well, can the, win with a full time DH, especially when a guy like Schwarber has a potential for a 900 plus OPS year in and
2: year out. And it's not really what the Yankees want to do, type of situation. It's not really what Girardi. I, I, I would I would venture a guess that the fa- the rotating DH spot is not in the binder. I I'm going to go out on a limb and it's say that that's actually page 57. But, but what I'm going to do nine. is I'm, there's a contingency plan in the binder, and the contingency plan is when aging veterans in the lineup. Rotate them. And that's part of the deal. And I think, you know, a lot of that makes Girardi manage the way he does with with, you know, getting guys days off and things. But obviously, if there's if you're not into that situation where you have guys that need those days off and you have a young mashing kid who's a perfect swing for Yankee Stadium. And like you were saying, he's going to hit, you know, 35, 40 home runs every year. You get him in the damn lineup. It's a guy that, I mean, oh my God, what would would do for a guy like that right now. Yeah, and so, now you're
1: talking about uh, a young core of offensive players who are all 26, 27, and under. Schwarber's yeah. only 23 years old. Aaron Judge is 24. Gary Sanchez is 23. Ref Snyder's 26. Dee Dee's 26. Castro's 26. That's six guys I just named that are all young and they're all different. But good offensive players. They can all do different things. Hit for power, run for, you know, run for speed, hit for average. It's just you need young talent that can you can then sprinkle in the veterans. You don't you don't build veter a veteran team and sprinkle in young talent. It just doesn't work. All right. So. <laughs> the Yankees did
2: notify Andrew Miller though that he won't be traded,
1: which is ridiculous. I mean, so why insane.
2: does why does he have to do? Why do they have? Why do they feel the need that they have to? Oh, you know, it's fine. You can pitch well. It's cool. You're not getting traded. Like, who gives a shit? Why do you have to tell him that he's a professional athlete? If you want to trade him, trade him.
1: And it's I love like, Andrew Miller. I think Andrew Miller is one of the I know, best but it's, signings. It's, it's, catch it's not their ever spot.
2: Made. It's not the player's spot to be. You know, have a say in that unless there's a no trade clause. And then you don't have to have a say in it because they can't do it.
1: I understand that it's probably weighing on his mind because he is the one, he's the one guy in the Yankees that is getting floated the most. And he's got to be sitting there saying, you know, because it's not just where you're playing. It's where you're living. It, it it is his life, so I understand it's a nerve-wracking situation. He's on the
2: road all summer long. No, I mean this. But think
1: about it from his perspective. That it that is nerve-wracking. Whether or not he's a professional baseball player making nine point five million dollars, whatever he's making, it's still nerve-wracking. But but still, the Yankees do not need to come out and publicly say we're not trading Andrew Miller. That. If if they do actually mean that and Cashman, I hope is it's telling, just
2: a tactic to say, hey, you know, we're not trading Andrew Miller's so you better ante up. If if Cashman is telling GMs, nope, sorry, you
1: know, not trading Andrew Miller, that's just ass backwards. That is the complete wrong thing for this team, 2017 going forward, and that's what I care about most.
2: Um <clears throat> So I still think I'm. I feel like I'm one of the one of the few. I I, I do. I think you're on the same page with me as this, but I feel like I'm a, kind of on an island of, of believing Cashman still. I feel like Cashman has gotten a, a bit of a raw deal in some in some areas because of a lot of the pressures that are not under his control and and some of the decisions. Because this is a guy that that I you know if you if you read reports, obviously he won't tell you, and you won't hear this from the Yankees, but this is a guy that wanted to sell years ago, and you know he was blocked on it, and I think that's oh, happened wait, right that was oh, wait. yeah, and I think that's happened to him more often uh, than, than we know about and I, and I you know it's like taking it's like taking the uh, the keys out of his hands for him to do his his job at some times and I think you know we see their true cashman when he starts going out finding these you know these unique talents like there was a there was a report. That we were that we saw something about. Um, there's a rumor, you know, albeit what it is, I, I forget who it uh, who actually said it. But then the Yankees were looking at a guy, uh, Matt Moore. They were interested in a guy like Matt Moore. So this is it was interesting to me only because as soon as I heard it, I was like, oh, that that sounds like a cash move to me. Like this is a guy coming back from Tommy John, struggling, like Brandon really, McCarthy type move. Yeah, it was really good before that. I mean, I think Matt Moore, he's he's definitely uh, this this the the second quarter of this season has been pitching. A lot better um and i have heard other teams like texas have also been interested in him as well but this is a guy with you know it's a tall left-handed pitcher in the he would throw in the high 90s he was a stud when he came out um
1: i can't see tampa trading him in the division
2: I- i'm just saying that's that's the type of move I, it's just a, a very cashman type of move where, where you're, you're finding a guy who's maybe not at his highest people a little bit under the radar but but potentially you know Kind of taking him and and uh, throwing him into the mix for the future. It just sounded like a very cashman move to me because I, I feel like he 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 can recognize talent and he does seem to hit when the iron's hot. He seems to get these guys on an uptick rather than a downtick. So he has he seems to be having a habit the last
1: few years though taking X first round picks from teams that you know they've fizzled out like Dustin Ackley and Aaron Hicks and that doesn't seem to be working out. So. I understand he does. You know, for every D.D. D. Gregorius, which was a great trade, he he saw the talent in Didi Gregorius. He has a couple, you know, Aaron Hicks moves that are
2: yeah. yeah but the Aaron Hicks, even the Aaron Hicks move and the Dustin Ackley. I mean, the the Dustin Ackley move was for nothing. It was for uh, outfielder. I forget the kid's name. He came up for a cup of coffee. He could hit pretty well, but I don't was think it he's Mason, doing anything.
1: Was it? Did they trade Mason no, Williams for him?
2: No, 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 no. He was a corner outfielder. He was a left fielder. Uh, his name is completely escaping me right now. But anyway, he he um. You know, that's a guy that, you know, maybe, yeah. It's it's, it's it's a by-low move. No doubt. And then, and then Aaron Hicks, I mean, look at our catching depth. It was a move that you're looking at a guy that. That is, uh, you know, has a lot of potential. Stud athlete, then why not try it? I mean, I don't. I, I like those kind of moves. I mean, but you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a potential guy because I, I think usually a lot of the guys that that show the potential, you know, depending on coaching or maybe they just have you know maturity or they're late bloomers. These are guys you you do take it, uh, you do take chances on. So
1: you certainly are a potential guy yep. leading the Nasty Nate Evaldi fan club, and now he is Nasty Nate. Out of the bullpen, nasty Nate, right? Not so nasty Nate. Probably pitching mop-up duty for Chad Green next Thursday because Chad Green is taking a spot in the rotation. What do you think about that?
2: I, yeah, you know, I have no problem with it. Honestly, the Avaldi uh, has absolutely earned the demotion. Uh, the he's been pitching terrible, and you know, I'll I'll be the first person to say it because he just he's he speaking of potential, as you said it. He's got so much, and and when he's right. When he's getting that breaking stuff down, I feel like a broken record. But um, you know, we've seen how effective he can be, and the fact that he's not doing it is just—it pisses me off watching it. To tell you the truth, Um, and Chad Green has been pitching very well in AAA. I mean, he's been one of the one of AAA's top pitchers. And I think he got he got roughed up a little bit his first time up, but um came back and and you know came back up and pitched well. So he deserves an opportunity. I think the Yankees are looking at at uh, at, at guys in the starting rotation, at least at this point, for you know who's gonna take advantage of opportunities because there are they're they're there to be had.
1: I have never seen a season fall off the rails as quickly as it did for Nathan Avaldi. He had such a good May. He was finally making strides. We were both in his corner. He was getting his breaking stuff down, as you said. And then the month flipped to June and he completely tanked. I don't understand how you can go from being so good and making steps, making progress, to completely backtracking.
2: It's weird. It really is. It's bizarre. It's it's a strange scenario. You know, the the whole feel. Is it a mental thing for for him? Like it was a mental thing for Pineda? Yeah, I think it is. I think that – I think he's not dealing with it. I think he doesn't know how to – he doesn't deal with struggling badly or well, he he still, he deals with struggling badly when, when his, when his, uh, it seems to me when he doesn't have a pitch early and he tries to keep going back to it. And uh, I don't know, he just can't get it. He just, he doesn't, he doesn't throw it. Um, but if he feels confidence in that pitch, then the, I don't know. I'm totally guessing here. I, well, it doesn't the make sense. I
1: see in Nivaldi, as far as just what he's got, what he's bringing to the mound, is like you said, when he doesn't have one of his secondary pitches, he is completely screwed. It's more a totally more, pitch? more yeah. screwed than most pitchers when they don't have their secondary pitch. You know, David Cohn used to have, has always talks about in the broadcast about you know I went out there sometimes didn't have my slider, didn't have my changeup, didn't have my splitter, but he was able to battle. Still, he was. He was mentally strong enough to just have his fastball or sometimes just have his slider. And he would be able to pitch five innings, two runs. Avaldi, if he doesn't have his splitter,
2: screwed, three innings, seven runs. Because he doesn't have, you know, miss the bat type of stuff. I mean, he's not a guy, he pitches, he does pitch the contact. I mean, and the fastball, it doesn't move a ton. And the guys we, we've seen when, when they... When you know when when that's the only pitch that he's able to to locate or to get over the plate, they sit on it, and I don't care how hard it's coming at you, you know everybody in the major leagues can hit a fastball no matter what the speed is, and and you know when he doesn't have that secondary pitch to to complement it, then the the fastball becomes you know n- not as good of a pitch anymore. So you're right, he's got to have that. He's got that splitter was his his absolute Achilles heel.
1: He struggled for the same amount of time. Basically, that Michael Pineda struggled from the start of the season until late May when Girardi lit a fire under his ass. But Pineda never got pulled from the rotation, so clearly, <laughs> somehow, some way, Michael Pineda has earned more stock in Girardi—you know, more trust in Girardi than Nathan avaldi has.
2: Well, and I also think that they see more. I mean, uh, Pineda does have uh, missed the bat stuff. I mean, he's he's got one of the highest. Um, swing to miss ratios in the in the in Major League Baseball and you know even when he's his looked all mental I mean like 100% mental I mean he wears wears it on his sleeve we know that and they they felt like they were able to correct him Evaldi just makes no sense he just doesn't he, he keeps saying he doesn't have a feel for the ball to me that's a big issue if you can't feel what your pitch is that's a huge issue you know as a Major League Baseball a player and a and a professional pitcher, you better have a damn feel for the put for the ball and for the pitches that you throw. So I, I, yeah. it doesn't make sense to me.
1: It's like Rothschild's there scratching his head, like what the hell's going on? I can't. Yeah. yeah,
2: I can teach you how to do this, but if you don't have a feel for what I'm teaching you, then how are you supposed to learn? And
1: I don't know if you were listening to the game today. I was listening to John and Susan uh, uh, on the Fourth of July to the to the game against the White Sox, and they were talking about Valdi moving to the pen. And you would have thought Sterling. Sterling was talking about Evaldi like he's going to be the second coming of Mariano. He's got such great stuff. He could throw ninety nine miles an hour. The you know he he could be a late inning gem for the Yankees. Are you freaking kidding me? What has Evaldi ever shown you that he could he could be a strikeout guy like Adele and Batances late in the game or? Obviously not. He didn't compare him to Mariano Rivera, but just the level he was talking about Nathan Avallie's stuff and Nathan Avallie's potential for the bullpen was just mind-boggling.
2: I mean, but you know what Sterling? that He goes on his uh, his his little rants about that. He he's also he's seen a him, man. he's freaking he, seen he's out. a but he's a stuff guy too. I mean, he likes seeing. He likes seeing potential as well. And it's his birthday, so it will be nice. It's also John oh, Is he Thurman. also.
1: Oh, my God.
2: I'm pretty sure it's also July 4th. Looking I'm looking, looking it brain. up right now as we talk. You do it. You yes. Do it. You do it. 78 years old. Okay, so who's
1: more American, John Sterling or George Steinbrenner? Steinbrenner. Yeah, I, I'd agree. Yeah, I'm thinking of that always sunny skit when uh, um, Charlie was singing the song Rock, Flag, and Eagle. Just beautiful. Beautiful uh, montage for for George Steinbrenner and John Sterling. All right, we got last week when we had Pinstripe Pros on. We talked about Aaron Judge being one of the best players in the international league for the month of June. He actually won Player of the Month for June. Nine home runs, one point one six three OPS, which is just raking. And it's Bryce Harper type shit. Uh, he batted three forty three in June. And it was complete opposite of May because he stunk in May, bad 183. So he's obviously still has growing pains because he's up and down. But that month of June was impressive. Girardi and Cashman took note. A lot of fans are taking note. They want Aaron Judge up in the big leagues sooner rather than later. Um, I think we are we are going to see Aaron Judge as a September call-up this year. And I think that, you know, I am starting to get really excited, maybe too excited. For for the potential power right-handed bat he could provide the Yankees.
2: Yeah, he's I mean he's been phenomenal, and to to see that he's making the adjustments. I mean after batting you know 183 in May, that's that's Chase Headley like. And when when you make that when you make that bounce back and you hit 343 in in, uh, in June, it's pretty impressive. You know especially showing the power as well. So I you know I definitely think the Yankees want to give him a full season in AAA. I think his September call up is absolutely where he's going to be there. And, you know, they want to see this. I mean, obviously, he's, he's most likely not going to sustain the, the success he had in June, but they want to see, uh, you know, obviously much, much better splits than, than a 183 and a 343 from month to month. So they want to see what the sustained, uh, sustained progression of this can be moving forward. So hopefully he keeps it up because he's having a hell of a month um, and turning into a hell of a season now. So it's really, really good to see. And yeah, it's getting me excited, too. It'll be interesting to see how they use him as a September call-up. A lot of their September
1: call-ups, they just have play, you know, once every five games. They might pinch run. They might go in late for defense. But Aaron Judge is a stud prospect. So if they call him up, I would love to see them play him every day. You know, let this be the time when he gets his feet wet in the major leagues so he can come into spring training 2017 ready to win that right field job.
2: Yeah, and and you know if uh, especially if if Beltran were to get traded, then we could definitely see him you know coming in and playing right field quite a bit in September as well. I think they would try to give Aaron Hicks the job, or maybe put Russ more out there. Matchups if, uh, matchups
1: would tell Joe Girardi that Aaron Hicks needs to start tonight over Aaron Judge.
2: Yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, this he's a guy I think they would do, and it really just depends on what the what the situation is for the team at that point. But I think if when they call him up. I mean, um, my, me looking in my uh, my magic ball, it's it's uh, it's saying that the the prospects of him playing quite a bit in right field in September are, are highly likely.
1: Well, in my bold predictions for the season, which I wrote the day before the season started, I said the longest home run hit at Yankee Stadium this year would be by Aaron Judge.
2: So, oh, that's a good one.
1: Yeah, that's
2: definitely one to look at. It's uh, it's got some good potential too. Absolutely. I don't know who holds it Who's right leading now. the clubhouse. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Who's leading? I'd, lead I'd have to look that up. I could tweet that out later. Another guy who is maybe going to be down in the minors until September call up times is Severino since going on the DL and coming back. He's made six. Uh, I don't want to call him rehab starts there. He's in the minors. He's not rehabbing five in triple a one in high a ball. His numbers are decent. Not great. Uh, the walks are a little too high for, for my liking. He's walked 10 guys in 34 innings pitched but it was interesting because Girardi had a couple quotes on him the first one being when asked about Severino uh his stuff he says there's three things it comes down to fastball command the improvement of his changeup and the improvement of really the depth of his breaking ball those are the things that we need to see improvement on I know he's had some good outings but we look at more than just the numbers and then the other one he said uh When asked if he would only be called up as a starter, he said not necessarily, kind of being um, a little vague in that answer. So Severino really struggled in April. They were counting on him to be the number four starter, make 25-plus starts for this team. We said exactly what Girardi said. It's fastball command and it's it's depth of his slider and changeup. Um, and if they're not seeing improvement on that in AAA, that kind of worries me because his stuff, his fastball was good enough just to get AAA hitters out. Obviously not good enough to get major league hitters out, but if he's not improving his off speed stuff, that's kind of concerning.
2: Yeah. I mean, just look at what happened with Severino too. We're talking about, we were talking about earlier about the the makeup of this team. Severino was a giant part of the the starting rotation as well. And uh, he's been nothing as well. There are so many guys that were, that were, you know, Supposed to do to make major impacts on this season to make to play major roles uh, for this 2016 Yankees team that had done absolutely nothing—not like had okay seasons, but have done absolutely nothing—and you know Severino is one of those guys who just the, the bottom fell out, and uh, you know I'm I'm concerned of it as well. The fact that he's not improving the breaking stuff is absolutely concerning because we're seeing what's happening in the major leagues right now. The fact that you know a couple of our guys when Pineda was was not pitching well his breaking stuff was was not as good you know he was he was not using the changeup as much He he was getting into O2 counts and then hanging a breaking ball rather than burying the breaking ball when that when your secondary pitches your breaking stuff your your stuff that's that's there to change the speeds uh keep the the, the batter off balance when it's not there when it's not working then your fastball is not as effective anymore and you cannot sustain success as a major league pitcher so the fact that Severino is in the triple a right now and not improving on these things, the the fuel for these pitchers or whatever, getting it down, it's uh, it's concerning, no doubt. So I, you know, I think he's going to stay down there for a little while, and they're going to, they, they're, you know, the we know how the Yankees are in their building of confidence for their young players. This is a situation where I believe I I, I do believe it because he's still showing the, uh, you know, the lack of of, uh, of commitment and following through on these pitches.
1: I really do not want them to bring him up as a reliever. Because, I don't either. I agree. Yeah. Because how how many times can we go through this where the Yankees have a top pitching prospect and he just doesn't quite cut it as a starter and they move him to the bullpen? Delon Betances is a prime example. He was a starting pitcher along with Brackman and Banuelos. And I love Delon Betances. He's turned out to be one of the most filthy relievers in Major League Baseball. But the Yankees have a problem developing starting pitching. I really thought Severino was going to be one that they hit on for the starting rotation I want them, I do not want them even even messing around with it this year. They don't need him in the bullpen this year to help win now. They need him to pitch out of the starting rotation going forward to help this team. So not that it would really, you know, stunt his growth or anything like that. I just don't even want to see them messing around with it.
2: I just don't think this team is in a position where you bring Severino up and it makes us that much better. I mean, I, I understand that our, our middle relief isn't 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 good right now. It's it's downright awful. But who's to say that he's going to come into a role like that and succeed? I just don't know how how well you you know how much he helps the team by coming up and being you know a, a fifth sixth inning guy if a if a in a in a game that's you know five five. I, I don't know. He's just it doesn't seem like that's the role. It, it, the The long term success for him is a hell of a lot more important and. You know, I think the Yankees are. I, I feel like I don't think that they would bring him up uh, as a reliever either. I think that I think that they're 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 committed to to keeping him as a uh, as a starting pitcher because that's the, that's where they see him long term.
1: Well, why the hell did Girardi say not necessarily?
2: I don't know. I think he was just the Girardi talking.
1: I mean, you think about the 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 starting pitchers the Yankees have developed in in the last eight to ten years. Chingming Wong is probably the most productive one you know he has the most wins for them phil hughes was i guess a success when you think about what he's done in his career but other than that who who do they have that they've produced out of this you know as a starting pitcher i can't even think of any
2: yeah it hasn't been good and phil hughes was supposed to be a you know a frontline guy and he he didn't turn into that um he was that for a half of season in 2010 but I mean, that's the guy that we we were. He was the 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 second coming. Oh, I mean, I he agree. was he was the guy. Absolutely and, did not live up to potential. And I don't know if it's if it's these guys are just if the if the Yankees minor league staff at that level is just over, you know, over uh, estimating what these guys can be, and if they're in another system that you know they're not even. Considering them as a top line guy, they're 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 putting him out there as a as a as a three. You know who's who's to say that that's not the case as well? They just overhyped them, or they you know they they overanalyzed them and thought they were better than they really are, they really were. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he actually that is who he was. Um,
1: I don't doubt that. But yeah, because so that could many, be a thing. There's so many pitchers across the league where these teams – you know the Red Sox developed. Um, John Lester he turned into be, you know, turned out to be an ace. The the Rays produced Dave, uh, David The Rays Price. have produced multiple, yeah, yeah, multiple ones. Um the I guess the Blue Jays haven't really produced anyone, but 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 you you get my point here where I'm not saying the Yankees need to be producing an ace every other year, but to not have produced one over the last 10 years is really bad. Um final bit of notes from the minor leagues is that Nick Swisher's Time with the Scranton Wilkes-Barre Yankees has officially come to an end. He said he's going to take the rest of the season off. I guess he just had a new baby daughter who was born recently, so he wants to spend time with his family. Um, I think he probably sees the writing on the wall that his baseball career is probably over. Um, and he says he's going to make a run at it next year, but I'd be shocked if he signs with anyone.
2: I could see him you know, going to spring with somebody and then – and then maybe, you know, if he gets hot, break with the team. But that's, he, he's going to have a tryout. That's, that'll be what it is.
1: All star game is coming up. And the Yankees, I guess, have three guys in the running for, for a starter Beltron, Didi, and McCann. Although I don't see any of those guys really um, making the team. I think the Yankees' representatives will be Andrew Miller and Andrew Miller only. Uh, I guess Beltron might get put on as a manager selection. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I think I think our uh, <laughs> I think our one guy that, that has to go is going to be from the the big three. I don't think uh, any of these other guys are going to make it. Uh, although Beltran is so uh, Yates, is Kirby in the Kirby Yates is going to be there. Yeah, Kirby Yates is going to. He's on the AAA All Star team. Nick Rumbleo um, is
1: going to be there in spirit, since I think he's got Tommy John surgery or something like that.
2: Yeah, I haven't heard that name in a while. The, I forgot about Nick Rumbleo. But um, no, I mean Beltran's playing to a to a point where he absolutely deserves a look. Uh, Didi. You know he he's playing well. Um, well, it's bullshit. I, don't it's a, bullshit I don't think he's a, short like a
1: guy. Bullshit, a guy like Tulo is ahead of Didi in the voting because Tulo's having a horrendous year. That's just the the brand new Blue Jays fans stuffing the ballot because Didi is a great all around player and deserves more credit in the league than I think he's getting.
2: Oh, there's no doubt about it. But it's also he needs to he needs to show that a little bit longer he than he has. Yeah, he's well. He's yeah, exactly. He's in the beginning of this. Whereas Tulo has name recognition, um, even even some of the other guys. I mean, Bogarts is having a, a good season, and uh, you know, Correa is a, one of the one of the hottest shortstops coming up. So I mean, there's there's definitely guys in front of him that he would have a very tough time to be on there. But I, I could care less if these guys won the All Star game. You know what I mean? It's just like I you know I, I I hope that they just progress to get better. That's that's it. We're gonna have a relief pitcher in there. That's that's what's gonna happen
1: i'm embarrassed i don't know this where's the all-star game this year i think san diego oh okay wait really i don't know they just did did national league last year didn't they (laughs) i don't remember we're bad
2: (laughs) i'm pretty sure it's a san diego uh
1: i thought last year's whole week with the home run derby the changes they made and the all-star game was actually a good move for the for mlb i thought it was a pretty good event last year
2: yeah it's in san diego i was right so we did know cool
1: um did you watch the the serviceman only Sunday night baseball game between the Miami Marlins and Atlanta Braves?
2: I turned it on for the beginning just to kind of see what the atmosphere was like. I really couldn't get past watching a Marlins Braves game, but yeah, I did see. Thanks a lot, uh, ESPN. Like, give yeah, us that's, something a that's little what bit they better. were. Well, that's what Fort Bragg was like. Thanks a lot for bringing. Why are they here? <laughs> Can we bring some uh, of so, the some good teams? Although the Marlins have some some fun talent. Um, but yeah, it was. I, I saw the beginning of it. You know, I just wanted to kind of check out the scene. It was pretty cool to to see.
1: I like that they made like this own little stadium. I think that was pretty cool. One guy who got internet shamed was Zach Hampel, foul ball guy, who was kind of blew up when he caught A Rod's three thousandth hit last year. Uh, he was at the serviceman only game. He somehow got tickets to the game. Was catching foul balls all, all over the place, and the internet does not let you forgive or does not forgive you for something like that.
2: So this is a guy that put out a tweet well before it saying he was, he would offer a thousand dollars for a ticket to get into the stadium. And he claims that, that a buddy of his uh, who's, who's in the military that his uh, you know, that his, his platoon or whatever his um, you know, all of his, his, his department got, got tickets and they were able to bring family, but this was a DOD only military only, you know, that's all you who could come and and yeah, he got it. He got it. Even the Marlins, the Marlins guy was shaming him on Twitter saying, This is a, a, a you know, DOD only event. You leave the stadium now.
1: Marlins <laughs> man has been all over the place this year. He's kind of getting on my nerves. He was at that rain game against Texas and he was the I only know. one sitting behind home
2: plate when it was pouring rain. Him. Yeah, in his orange hat. The uh. But, he looks but yeah. like
1: he looks like Jamie Kennedy from Malibu's Most Wanted when he's got the oh. visor on sideways.
2: With the sideways, yeah. yeah. So Hample apparently also caught. I think he caught like eleven balls or twelve balls that day. Of course, he and did. and he was giving ten of them away. Uh, you know, I'll give this guy a little bit of credit in the sense, like he's. I think I don't think he's as bad of a guy as everybody says he is. I think it's really annoying. Well, he's a weird that, guy yeah and the fact that he what is he a trust fund baby or something he's from manhattan he doesn't work obviously he's always over he well, must he, be some he must be a trust fund baby or something who how just, else
1: would you be able to have season yeah. tickets to the yankees and then also attend games he, like he's always flying somewhere for a game
2: exactly so that's that's what i'm saying he, he must have been you know he has a nice little uh stack of cash that he's sitting on from mommy and daddy and he is going to all these games but to his credit he does donate a lot of of money to charity as well. I think he gives in this uh, pitched in. Uh, I don't know. There's a baseball charity that he gives to, and I'm pretty sure he said that every ball that he caught at this Fort Bragg game, he was giving to, uh, a thousand dollars to a veteran um, charity as well. So I don't know. Eleven thousand. I don't he think 11, he's as bad 000, of a guy 11, as He gave like eleven thousand dollars. $1, eleven hundred dollars, I think. Okay. Was it eleven thousand? No, I thought it was a hundred dollars per. Oh, okay. was it was a thousand dollars per. I thought
1: you per? said a thousand dollars. Yeah.
2: No, it doesn't matter. He's donating money to to a, to a cause. The fact of the matter is, I just don't think he's as bad of a guy. I think he's super annoying. And um, you know, he Deadspin put a whole thing on him after the the DD ball that he missed and and was crying about.
1: Yeah, he had a he had a bad week. He was. But I don't
2: he was, know. He's more annoying than anything.
1: He was at the game that was delayed three hours and the Yankees painfully lost, and he was the only one there. He tweeted out a picture at like 2 o'clock in the morning. He was the only one sitting out in right field. And then, yeah, the game when the Yankees came back, he had Brian McCann's uh, home run go off of his face, and then he missed Didi's walk-off home run.
2: (laughs) Because some guy body checked him and apparently if you read – because I read the uh, Deadspin put an article out. Then he reached out to the guy who wrote the article and uh, he wrote a, like a really long art, uh, letter back to the guy who wrote from Deadspin like explaining the whole thing. It's it's I, I thought it was humorous to read. But apparently he was given the guy who bumped him out of the way like tips on how to catch the ball like a couple of innings before that. And this dude just comes in and body checks him out of the way to get the ball. He think he does get, have Catholic reflexes. reflexes.
1: He's what? always he's he's hovering around the ball always.
2: Yeah. He he this dude researches there's a I grand guy, finale I hear some fireworks, yeah. Yeah. they they're, this dude researches how to catch home run balls. I mean, he's he's got a science to it. So,
1: he's got his own binder on where where spray charts. He's got he's
2: got spray What's charts spray on chart? all these guys. right.
1: <laughs> You're right. Um all right, before we get into actually let's uh, let's we mention that walk-off game. That was one of the craziest walk-offs the Yankees have had in in recent memory. They were dead in the water against Texas after a horrendous loss in that rain delay game. And then they looked dead the the following night. Tanaka went out there and looked flat. And the Yankees came back. And then they had another walk-off the next day on the pass ball. And it's like just when this team seems to be turning a corner, they fall flat on their face again. They go to San Diego and lose two to one of the worst teams in baseball. It, it it's just such a tease. Is is this team? They win two walk offs and they fly out west and lay an egg. I I, I,
2: I don't have any words it's, it's a for tease, it. It's, but so, it's so predictable. It's so predictable at this point because it happens every week. They cannot put together a stretch of of good baseball longer than two to three you know four tops games it's it's just it's just what they do and while I'll give them a little bit of a you know going from San Diego night game to Chicago day game back, back to back it's kind of a, a tough thing I'll, but, I'll but losing a the two games give a break giving the, the give, losing the two games in San Diego is just ridiculous and you know it started with Evaldi not pitching well, and you know he he was awful again, and and then they just they ruin a a good start by Nova, who finally pitches well, and and then of course the bats don't play on that day, and freaking B.J. Upton hits a hits a, a walk off um, against Andrew Miller no less, to uh, to beat him. So it was a, it's a tough stretch. All right, before we get into some mailbags, I want to just quickly touch on the AL
1: East. I feel like we haven't talked about it in a while, mainly because we haven't played the AL East in, in pretty much the whole month of June. And I know the Yankees have a stretch coming up against the AL East, which could, you think, will break their season. It, it could make a break their season. The Orioles are in first place. They were the hottest team out of all of them in, in June. They went 19-9. and nine. They're mashing the ball. They scored 185 runs in the month. And by comparison, the Yankees scored 129. So they're averaging more than a run per game, more than the Yankees
2: for the month of June. The, and the Red Sox, I mean, those are, that's a team that, the, the Orioles, that's a team that we, we kind of predicted they would hit the ball. Well, Trumbo's having a, a season I don't think anybody was really expecting, but they had a lot Trumbo's of power. You know what Trumbo's
1: doing? Trumbo's filling the role of Nelson Cruz two years ago.
2: That's true. It's exactly it's exactly what he's doing, and and when they have that other power bat, it's it's a scary lineup, and you know their pitching is not not good. (laughs) They have uh, their bullpen's good. Zach Britton in the back is is one of the better relievers in the game, but um, and you know with scoring that many runs, he becomes that actually becomes effective when you have a good back end of the bullpen when you score runs.
1: It's like the Royals last year. Think about the Royals starting pitching last year. I mean, they got Cueto for the playoffs, but he didn't do that great. Their starting pitching was mediocre at best. Uh, they could score runs and they could lock it down after the sixth inning. And kind of what the Orioles are doing. Maybe the Orioles are going to be in the market for a relief pitcher. And the Yankees have a couple of those. Um, the Red Sox are in second place, but they had a really bad month of June. Topped off by 21. A th- three-touchdown game given up against the Angels the other night.
2: Was that in Fenway? Yeah. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Good job by the Angels, and, and you, this is a team where we knew they would hit the ball, but their pitching step is kind of coming back down to where we thought they were. They weren't great in the first place, but you know the um, the season from Stephen Wright. I mean, who could predict that? And will that last? I, there's to me. I mean, he's a knuckleballer. He's going to end up uh, ten and ten at the end of the year, you know, or thirteen and thirteen or whatever. They get their five hundred guys usually, um, and then. I think Purcello is having a better year than they're predicted, but they're starting to come back down. I mean, there are a bunch of number three, number four starters.
1: David Price, who we thought was going to be the number one starter has pitched like a number four starter. His ERA is hovering 4.7 and we know he just gets worse as the games get bigger. So that signing right from the beginning is looking
2: to be bad. Uh, there'll be a bailout somewhere. Someone will bail well, him out. Got he's got the
1: opt out. He's got the opt out in two
2: years. Is he gonna? T- is it one of those that's just there? You know, can take in case it. he in case he does really well, or in case he hates it. Oh, in case he hates it, but it's usually if he does really well and get the contract
1: exactly like CC or like yeah. uh, Granky.
2: Yeah, I don't know if he's if he's not if he's pitched into a five ERA. I think he's gonna take that. I think he's gonna take the option uh joey bats is on the dl but the blue jays are playing decently
1: um a couple games over 500 for the month of june uh and bautista i just looked up he's not gonna be back until after the all-star game so they gotta survive without their their leader who has a glass jaw and the rays suck they (laughs) they won 11 games in each month which is not good so at least they're consistent (laughs)
2: <laughs> they will be selling. So that's look at, look at some of the guys that they'll be selling off into, to who they'll be selling to. I don't see them selling inside the, I don't know what the other philosophies are about guys in the AL East. I know there was an article uh, that we wrote about, uh, Dombrowski, not, not having a problem with trading in division. Um, you know, but Yankees, Red Sox, that's probably not going to happen. So we'll see if I Rays do are... have a
1: problem trading in division to the. Red I agree. Sox. I, I wouldn't totally mind. Do. I wouldn't mind helping out the the Orioles if you if they want Aroldis Chapman or something like that for one year. For one year, and they're going to give us a a big prospect back. By all means, fine. I do not want to help the Red Sox out at all. Just like I don't want to help the Mets out. Those are the two teams I never want the Yankees to help out.
2: You want them to help out the Blue Jays, huh?
1: Yeah, whatever. Who cares? <laughs> the, the, the Blue Jays are, were annoying to me for. Four months out of twenty-seven years, like I, the Blue Jays, I kind of got over that. Um, final thing is Tashera hit his four hundredth and four hundred first home run. We thought this would come, you know, early May. <laughs> it came late June. So uh, is he might be starting to turn it around? Who knows? Maybe, maybe the- he, he
2: is showing some more production. I mean, I'll give him that. He's, he's definitely a lot. He's been a hell of a lot better. Maybe since someone got- will want to
1: trade for him as well.
2: Th- that would be that would be outstanding. I would be like you know that's that's that'd be a, that'd be a, a hell of a treat. So
1: the Yankees have two more in Chicago, and then they go to Cleveland for four before the All Star break. And Cleveland won fourteen in a row, topped off by that nineteen inning marathon game. Um, I believe they've lost two in a row since then, but fourteen in a row is crazy. Hottest team in in Major League Baseball. I don't think they're the best team in the league. By any means, but this is not the time you want to be playing Cleveland, especially after they're riding high
2: from LeBron James bringing a trophy to Cleveland finally. I think and I think Terry Terry Francona is one of the best managers in the game. I think he's uh, he's one of those guys who, who can really get even a, a team that's not the most talented to play very well. I think I think he's a guy that um, he, he's he's one of those managers, I think, that, that do very well and get the most out of the out of his players. <laughs> All right. So let's get to mailbags. And this first one
1: comes from Neil. And we already kind of answered this, but I want to read it because I agree with him. He says, is it weird that I was mad that we had a dramatic comeback victory over the Rangers? We are mired in this useless baseball purgatory. And I think you and I agree with Neil that, yeah, the the comeback is great. But when you come back and then fall flat on your face in San
2: Diego, what was the point? I'll tell you what the point was. It was a beautiful point, and Neil, thank you for the for the um, for the mailbag. But what we did right there is we proved to the Texas Rangers that your back end of your bullpen sucks. <laughs> it's terrible. So we're going to show that to you in grand style, and we're gonna we're gonna showcase our guys so that now you know what you need. We have one of those guys that you need. We have you have guys that we want. Let's do business, baby. Let's make a deal. System. This is exactly – it was a perfect scenario. The bullpen just completely shattered to a mediocre that's offense. That's
1: next-level thinking. I got to give you credit on that. The Yankees yeah. – so, so Brian McCann and Didi Gregorius were like, I love this Yankees franchise so much right. that we want to prove to the Rangers that their bullpen is shit. And, and And we have a good trade for you. I like that. Yeah. That's exactly what happened. It's a good conspiracy. All right, this next mailbag is from Julio, and it's quite a lengthy one, and I think Scott are going to try something that is probably going to be a disaster, and we're going to try and <laughs> read this back and forth. So I'll, I'll start. <clears throat> the Yankees took two games out of four from the Rangers. The team was 39-39 and 39 and looked good to finally turn the season around. A three-game series against the Padres, and we are in business. Serenity now.
2: 80 games have passed and we are two games under the 500 mark we've lost two out of our three with the freaking padres only four teams have a worse record in the yankees in the american league we're closer to being the worst team in the american league than being the best team in the american league serenity now
1: now we know where we are the obvious question is where are we heading Girardi and cashman see potential in this team they have made us believe that this team is good enough to turn things around but we are still waiting Hal Steinbrenner said, the coaches are doing a good job. These are professional athletes. They're the best baseball players in the world. And sooner or later,
2: it comes down to them. Serenity, now! <laughs> <laughs> Let's assume Hal is right. Coaches do what they can with the players they have. Then Girardi and mostly Cashman must share responsibility for what is happening. Cashman is, to me, the biggest problem. His most recent moves are very questionable, to say the least. He has passed on really good players and keep bringing in players that other teams do not want. Uh, in parentheses, Hicks, Ackley, Avaldi, among others. Yes, Didi has been great, but Girardi has not taken advantage of this. Girardi believes in the guys, hoping for, in his guys, hoping for a hot streak. But this is not happening. Serenity now! Why not try using Didi higher
1: in the lineup? He could be, he could bat second, right behind Ellsbury. Didi will see better pitches and it will create better opportunities. Find ways to play ref Snyder instead of Hicks. Uh, make good move, but do make a good move, but do something serenity. Now
2: I will assume the cashman was ordered to cut their payroll because of the luxury tax. And that is why we have, that's why we have these less than impressive players, but they are players in the minors that could do better and have potential. And they're cheaper serenity. Now
1: everything seems that the Yankees are not going to change and things are Everything seems that the Yankees are not going to change things around very soon. I would not trust someone who brought Javier Vazquez twice. Let Robinson Cano and David Robertson walk away. Prefer to Valdi to Prado. Well, you get the idea. Hoochie (laughs) mama!
2: Oh, That was fun. I felt like I was reading for like a play. Yeah, that was my big acting need, moment.
1: We need those like drums that you that you get in like poetry poetry slam. Yeah, like, yeah, drums. yeah. That would have that would have gone perfectly with that one. Well, can, we can edit that in post production. There you go.
2: It's like yeah, so we married an axe murderer type thing.
1: <laughs> uh, Julio, great mailbag. Thank you. That was a good one. Love this. Yeah, we had to do that reference.
2: one. For justice to read the whole thing. That was good.
1: Yeah. Thanks for the Seinfeld reference. You know, we are huge Seinfeld fans, and I agree with him that. I feel like I'm going insane with all this stuff because I've watched enough baseball to realize who this team really is.
2: But that is why you listen to the show. That is why we do this show. This is our therapy. This is our serenity. So we're, we're not going to go nuts. All of us, we will uh, we'll get through this. All right. Let's kick it to a voicemail from
1: BroTron88, Alex Fulton. He is a listener and often submits mailbags. So let's give that a listen. Hey, Bronx Pinstripes, this is Alex Fulton,
2: or at Rotron 88. I'm going to keep it short and sweet. Just wondering if you guys thought that Austin Romine was safe at first. You know the play I'm talking about. Pretty questionable. I'm
1: obviously happy about the outcome, but just wanted to know what you guys thought. Closest Closest challenge I think I might have ever seen. So let me know what you think. Thanks. All right, Alex, thank you. Yeah, that Austin Romine challenge on Saturday in San Diego, which took about four and a half minutes, was insanely frustrating. That is the opposite of what MLB replay should be.
2: It was so ridiculous. I'm sitting there like, you know, the Jeopardy music is going off. These guys are just standing there. And we watched the replay over and over. And I'm I'm tweeting on Bronx how I'm like, just make. I don't even care at this point what you say because – I'm pretty sure it was Austin Romine and then I think Yvonne Nova was up next, right? So it was going to be an out. It, it was just a bad uh, – whoever was pitching, if it was not Nova. But it was a it was a bang-bang play. You know what I mean? It really could have gone either way. Uh, to me, well, it was – Well, he was, a, safe. was safe. He was, he was safe. And he the, was safe. But the thing is, is like – was it – Disputable? Like, can you say that that ball hit the back of the? I don't know. With the with the way the rules read, it has to be so clear that it's that you know what happened on the field um, gets overturned. And according to that, I'm not sure if that's the case. But the fact is, make a decision, move on. These are supposed to be what thirty seconds, right to a minute. That's 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 how long we were were told. Four minutes and thirty seconds. Get out of here. That's ridiculous. Totally took away from the game.
1: It's not like we're deciding who's going to the World Series on that one play. It, it, it's. It, I, it I understand was it was a zero-zero game, and it it's a base runner, so fine. But if you can't figure it out in two minutes, just call it what it was on the field and move on with our
2: lives. Yeah, it was bad. I, I'm pretty sure it was Nova who was up uh, the the, at the you know the following at bat, who just looked like looked like an American League pitcher, trying to hit a ball.
1: <laughs> um. All right. Thanks again for the voicemail. If you want to submit voicemails, it's 646-480-0342. You can submit podcasts, uh, mailbags, at bronxpinstripes.com slash podcasts. And now you can also hit us up on Twitter, the show, at Yankees Podcast. If you want to ask a question through Twitter, definitely do that. We'll be constantly checking that. Scott, uh, good ending to the 4th of July. I feel like that mailbag serenity now did actually give me some serenity. So thank you for that. And happy 4th of July,
2: everybody. We'll catch you guys next week.